Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Black and Cold, a true crime podcast for the overshadowed. I am Nichelle, your host, and I am back this week with a very, very shocking case. And before I start, I know I am super late with this, but I just want to give a shout out to the listeners who gave BNC a five-star rating and to the people who left some very thoughtful reviews. I see y'all and I appreciate y'all very much. So thank you. Thank you. If you aren't doing so already, you can follow this podcast on Instagram to see any photos, keep up with any updates and announcements. And that's at black underscore cold underscore podcast. The case I will be discussing today comes out of the state of Texas and it is a double murder. I know me saying this is probably repetitive because I am just stunned by all of the cases that I cover, but this is one that is very unforgettable for me. Let's jump into it. This is episode number 45, and today I will be telling you about the murders of Brittany Cosby and Crystal Jackson. So sometime before 7 o'clock a.m. on Friday, March 7th, 2014, a beer delivery driver in Port Bolivar, Texas, was throwing out some boxes near a dumpster behind a convenience store. And this is when they stumbled across something that got their attention. Initially, this driver just thought they were looking at some mannequins, and they decided to confirm that with the clerk at this food mart. However, the clerk didn't know what they were talking about, and they both ended up going back outside to look near this dumpster, and that's when they realized they were instead looking at what appeared to be the bodies of two women. The clerk immediately called 911, and officers from the Galveston Sheriff's Office responded to the scene. Upon the authorities' arrival, they discovered the two deceased women, and one of them actually had a sheet over her head. The bodies were found basically intertwined with one another, and they were essentially discarded like garbage. Once law enforcement took the sheet off of the one victim, they were able to confirm that both victims were, in fact, African-American women who appeared from a glance to be quite young. According to many of the reports for this case, the scene was very brutal, and it shocked many of the investigators that were there, even the most seasoned ones. Because there were two victims, it was a thought that both of the murders were connected, obviously. But authorities expressed that at first, they honestly didn't know how many people were involved. As they began to canvas the location where the women were found, they discovered tire tracks on the ground. And this helped law enforcement confirm that this location was probably a dump site and that the actual murders took place somewhere else. They also found additional clues that helped them make their first steps. Galveston officers found a bloody wooden board at the scene in addition to a bloody envelope, and this had a name and an address on it. 
Brittany Cosby was the name on the envelope, followed by an address in Houston, Texas, which was over an hour and a half away from Port Bolivar. Investigators from the Galveston Sheriff's Office were now able to proceed with some type of helpful clue, and they made their way to this location. So when they arrived to the residence, they were met by a man named James Cosby, as well as his elderly grandmother, who was in her 90s. Inside of the home, there were many photos around, and investigators were able to officially identify one of their victims from that. 24-year-old Brittany Cosby was one of the women found near the dumpster in Port Bolivar, and unfortunately, this followed with breaking this horrific news to her father, James, as well as her great-grandmother, Annie. On MTV's True Life Crime, they actually showed video from when Britney's family was notified of her death, and her father was completely distraught, as anyone would be in that situation. As investigators were talking with James, they needed to figure out who would do something so terrible to not only Brittany, but the other woman that was found with her. And with the help of James, authorities were able to confirm that the other victim was Brittany's girlfriend, 24-year-old Crystal Jackson. Crystal and Brittany met on the Metro bus just about two years before their death. And at this time, they were living in the home that Brittany shared with her family. The couple was looking towards getting a place of their own so they could be more independent and start their own journey together. Now, Crystal was a package deal as she had a young daughter named Zania. But this wasn't a challenge for Brittany as she ended up growing very close to Zania and she treated her as if she was her own. Shortly before the women were discovered, they did something that they were very proud of. After saving some money together, the couple purchased a car, and they got a silver Kia Sorento, which was the perfect SUV for them, as well as Crystal's daughter. And now having this vehicle, they no longer had to rely on public transportation, and it just overall was a huge accomplishment for them as an item. Growing up, Brittany was raised by her great-grandmother, Annie, as her parents split up from one another when she was young. She grew up in a pretty religious household, and as she got older, she took on the responsibility to basically take care of Annie, and she always put her family first. At the time of her death, Brittany was actually working as a barista at a local Starbucks, and she built many close relationships there. Her co-workers became like her family. Brittany was described by her loved ones as being outgoing, caring, and she was very well liked by many of the customers at her job. Just like her significant other, Crystal also was raised in a very religious home, and she was raised by both of her parents, Reverend Ivan Jackson and Mary Jackson. Crystal was described to be loving and very giving, and when she was a child, she used to attend church with her family and watch her father give sermons during services. Reverend Ivan was very close to his daughter. He told the Houston Local 2 news station that Crystal was always there for him in his time of need. There was actually one point when he was ill and Crystal was there for him every step of the way. No matter what, she was always like his little girl. And although they had a very close father-daughter relationship, 
As Crystal got older and began to date Brittany, this is when some issues began to arise. So Reverend Ivan did not agree with his daughter dating another woman. And because of his religious beliefs, he never approved of Crystal and Brittany's relationship. Now, he was not shy about his feelings either. When he spoke with detectives after learning of his daughter and her girlfriend's death, Ivan made it very clear that he didn't care for their relationship. You could tell he probably didn't care much for Brittany either at that time. And like I said, it showed. His reaction to the whole situation was just very different to that of Brittany's family. So because of this strange behavior on Reverend Ivan's end, he was, of course, someone on law enforcement's radar now. But Reverend Ivan made it very clear that although he was upset about Crystal dating another woman, it was her life, and he was never that mad to the point where he would actually kill his own child, or Brittany for that matter. And investigators were able to confirm all of this after they verified Ivan's phone records, and he was at home with his wife the night the women were murdered. So he may not have been a supporter of his daughter's same-sex relationship at the time, but he was ultimately still grieving. And with his alibi verified, he was cleared. So as I mentioned, the crime scene in Port Bolivar was extremely brutal. Brittany was actually the one who had the sheet over her head. And when the sheet was pulled back by the police, you could physically tell that she had been beaten to death. According to the Galveston News' reporting, Brittany's throat showed signs of choking, and it was later determined that she was struck five times with a sharp object, which caused her skull to fracture and split. Now, Crystal's death was just as heinous. She was also choked, but in addition to that, she was shot at a very close range to the head, or execution style. The bloody wooden board that was found near the dumpster had a fingerprint on it, and detectives went ahead and had that tested. And as they were waiting for results, authorities knew they needed to find the couple's SUV, which was not at the crime scene where the bodies were found. So as the investigation was going on, that was something major that detectives were trying to locate, as it could potentially hold some evidence. And to help with that, officers looked through video surveillance near the area where the women were found. And as they were viewing them, they discovered a silver SUV that looked very similar to a Kia Sorento model. The vehicle on video was seen crossing the Port Bolivar Ferry. And I probably should have mentioned this earlier, actually, but... Port Bolivar is a very narrow area technically in Galveston, but it seems to be its own community. However, in order to get there, one would have to take the ferry, which connects these two locations. So going back to the video footage, um, investigators spotted this SUV that looked similar to the one Brittany and Crystal had, and it was crossing the ferry. And it was stopped by a ferry security guard who was working there that evening at around 9 o'clock p.m. From the surveillance, law enforcement was able to see that whoever was in this vehicle was taller than the women, who were both somewhere between 5'2 and 5'5-ish. 
The security guard that spoke to the person in the similar car was eventually tracked down by Galveston's officers, and they were able to give them a description of the person in this silver SUV. The persons of interest was described to be an African-American male who could have been in his 20s or 30s. And with more details added, the security guard even helped authorities with configuring a composite sketch of this person. But unfortunately, the sketch didn't seem to help them at all. It didn't look familiar to anyone that was in Crystal or Brittany's family. However, they ended up showing this picture around to see if it could spark someone's memory, which it did not. The grieving loved ones of Crystal and Brittany held vigils for the women who loved each other very much. In an interview with one of Britney's co-workers from Starbucks, they talk about how proud Britney was to be with her girlfriend. The two were always with each other, and you could just see the happiness that both women had. Sadly, though, their funeral services were eventually held on the exact same day, not too long after they were murdered. And this was obviously very upsetting to the people that knew them both because they had to choose a service to attend. According to Brittany's friend and co-worker, it was a very hard decision to go to one service and not be able to give respects to the other person. And they also pointed out in their interview that their relationship wasn't even acknowledged at all as they were in attendance at Brittany's service, which is really sad and unfortunate. In the meantime, Galveston detectives were looking for this person in the composite sketch and they really had no idea who this could have been. This man didn't look familiar to anyone, and they were getting no leads about the couple having issues with someone around that age, or who even looked like that. It actually became a thought that the murders of Brittany and Crystal could have been a hate crime because of this. And this wasn't a theory that would have been unheard of, right? We know many people in the LGBTQ community can be more vulnerable to acts of violence because of who they love or how they may identify. But friends and family awaited for some type of developments in the investigation. And after six days from the actual discovery of the bodies, there was a huge one. Results from the fingerprint on the wooden board found at the crime scene came back. And it was a match to 46-year-old James Cosby, Brittany's father. Now, when these results came in, officers were stunned. I mean, this was a guy that was so emotional when he was first notified of his daughter's death. But because of the results, which became solid evidence, a search warrant was granted for the home that James lived in, where Brittany was living as well. And when law enforcement went to search the residence, James was not there at the time, but they discovered that he had actually been sleeping in the den area. And immediately when the police were searching, they noticed bloodstains on the carpet in this area of the home. They also noticed that the carpet was covered up with small throw rugs, which looked like an attempt to conceal it. Now, luminol was used during this time, which I tend to mention in a lot of my episodes, but if you are a newer listener or just need a refresher, This is a chemical used to detect blood, and everywhere lit up like that. Detective William Kilburn, who worked on this case, told True Crime Daily, quote, Everywhere we were looking, we were finding something with blood on it, end quote. 
Besides this carpet, there was blood on the doors, on the couch, and blood on clothing in the home, which eventually was all tested. But all of these findings made it clear that the murders may have happened here, which is the idea that authorities had all along as far as another location. As I said, they felt Port Bolivar wasn't where the actual murders took place. As the search continued, law enforcement then found a box of bullets with a mix of 38 and 357 shells, and they knew a 38 was the bullet that ended Crystal's life. Then outside of the residence, there was a wooden board or shutter on the main window, which matched to the missing one found where the women's bodies were. Detective Kilburn also added in his interview that this was the most evidence he had ever collected at a crime scene. James was then questioned by investigators who explained to him that there was basically a full-on crime scene at his home, which he could not explain. He couldn't even explain his fingerprint that was found on the shutter in Port Bolivar next to where Brittany and Crystal were found. James was then charged with two counts of tampering with evidence and disposing of the bodies. And at this time, he was not charged with the actual murders because there needed to be some type of connection tying him to the deaths. Everything was pretty much circumstantial at this point. James also didn't even match the composite sketch or really the description given by the ferry security. A passerby later on found a wallet on a dirt road and they notified the sheriff's department. It was determined to be Brittany's wallet. Investigators figured that this road where it was found, which was close to her home, may have been the initial intended dump site, again, proving their theory. But with everything being circumstantial and detectives wanting to bring actual murder charges, they patiently waited for the blood results from the home to come back, as they knew that would reveal some answers. On Thursday, April 17th, 2014, about one month after the couple was discovered, their 2006 Kia Sorento had finally been found. Per the Beaumont Enterprise, it was recovered from a storage lot after it was found by a Houston police officer who was there working on a separate investigation. The vehicle was actually found back in March in a parking lot at Ritz Cabaret, which was a strip club, and it was left there abandoned for some time. So this obviously got the attention of the owner of the club, and they had the car towed to this lot in Houston where it was eventually found. Once the car was in investigators' possession, the crime scene technicians began to process it and they found more blood inside of the vehicle. They also found a bullet fragment inside, as well as a projectile, which was covered with synthetic hair. And according to detectives, Crystal was wearing a weave at the time that she was killed. Now, after some time, the DNA results came back, and all of the blood found in the home was a match to Brittany's. There was none of Crystal's inside. However, in the Kia Sorento, blood all over the driver's side came back as a match to Crystal's, and Brittany's, again, was all over the passenger side. So with this now, the evidence was definitely piling up against James, and the security guard that previously helped authorities with that composite sketch actually ended up picking him out of a photo lineup, so it really wasn't looking good. 
In June of 2015, James Cosby, who was initially charged with tampering of evidence, was indicted on capital murder charges. Now, Cosby was not a stranger to law enforcement or the criminal justice system. He was arrested back in 1994 for sexual assault, where he had to do 10 years. He was released in 2004, but arrested again in 2011 after he failed to register as a sex offender. James was then released in October of 2013, which was less than six months before Brittany and Crystal were killed. The trial for James Cosby began in August of 2016. A few witnesses testified that day, including the woman he was dating at the time, who told the courts that she picked James up from a restaurant near the Ritz Cabaret Strip Club on May 6, 2014, which was the night before the beer delivery driver discovered the bodies. And James actually placed himself at that location because he called 911 from his own cell phone to report that his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend was trying to run them off of the road at that time. So he pretty much put himself in the vicinity. This was a man who was pleading for his daughter's killer to be found. A man who was very distraught and emotional when the news of her death came to him. And according to family, this is someone who was never seen as a violent person. Authorities and the prosecution have laid out what they believe transpired the day the women's lives were taken and why. When James Cosby came home in October of 2013, he didn't really have the best setup for himself. He returned to live with his grandmother and his daughter, Brittany. He was sleeping on the couch in the den. He wasn't stable financially, and he didn't have a car. Brittany, on the other hand, was trying to make a good living for herself. She was working towards her independence and trying to move up in the world. She was in a happy relationship. She was working at a job where she had many friends who were more like family. And the biggest thing of them all was that she was able to purchase herself a vehicle. Brittany's 92-year-old great-grandmother and James's grandmother had actually co-signed this vehicle for Brittany. And this could be a rumor, but some of the sources say that James wanted her to co-sign a car for him, but Annie refused. I also read that on occasions, James would ask to use Brittany and Crystal's vehicle as well. Brittany's mother, LaRonda, told local station KHOU11 that James was also angry that his daughter was gay. The two used to butt heads a lot, and they were getting into many disagreements before the incident actually happened. LaRonda is still struggling with exactly why he would take their child's life. So as far as the events that is believed to have happened, sometime during the day on March 6, 2014, Brittany and Crystal were supposed to take Crystal's daughter to school, but that never happened. Investigators theorized that some type of argument or altercation happened at the home, which is where James beat his daughter to death and eventually shot Crystal in the head. Crystal's daughter, who was only a little girl at the time, was a witness to more than likely everything, and she even spoke about what she remembers in a couple of interviews, which is such a traumatic experience for a child. It is suspected that after James loaded both deceased women in their car, he searched for a dumping site and then ended up driving them to Port Bolivar, over an hour and a half away, 
where he discarded them together as if they were trash. He then drove their car to this strip club where he abandoned it and walked to that restaurant, which, according to Patch, was only about 350 feet away. And that's when his girlfriend at the time picked him up. On top of not liking the fact that his daughter was gay, James was also institutionalized. After spending many years locked up, he had a specific mentality, and he didn't take, I guess, the disrespect he thought he was receiving well. Something that stuck out to me in this case, which is very common when people kill someone that they know or someone that they're close to, is the fact that Brittany had the sheet over her head. Her father is still nonetheless horrendous for what he did, as he is supposed to be one of the people on this planet that should have been protecting her. But I'm not an expert, but that fact just stuck out to me because James probably couldn't look at what he did to his own daughter. Brittany was also the victim who was beaten to death. So again, way more personal. When you think about it, Brittany and Crystal had a lot in common. They both came from religious backgrounds and both women from what we know seemed to struggle with acceptance from some of their family members. Reverend Ivan Jackson, AKA Crystal's father, who was very vocal about his stance on same-sex relationships, expressed to MTV that he actually felt regret for not being able to be there for Britney's funeral. And as a person who kept his distance from her when Crystal was dating her, he ultimately started to visit Britney's grave on the days he would visit his daughter, which, you know, is a positive change of heart to hear on his end, so good for him. James Cosby has never confessed to anything. He attempted to appeal his case in December of 2017, but that was denied. The main motive for this crime, according to law enforcement, was resentment, flat-out jealousy, as well as a dislike for who someone was, his own child at that. Brittany, who was proud of her sexual orientation, as she should be, was able to eat pizza, while her father, James, was eating bologna sandwiches. And the Galveston Sheriff's Office truly feels that Crystal was just kind of in the way at the time, a bystander, or as referred to in the police's interview, quote, collateral damage. On August 10th, 2016, after only a few hours of deliberation, the jury found James Cosby guilty of capital murder for killing both Crystal Jackson and his own daughter, Brittany Cosby. He was given a mandatory sentence of life without parole. 